Pride Nation 101. You have just stumbled onto Pride Nation 101. Queer music, stories, opinions, and lives from Mendocino County and beyond. I'm Roland Corey Medina. And I'm Chad Swimmer. Welcome. Welcome back to Pride Nation. This is episode three. Today we're going to be painting a portrait of queer in a small town called Fort California. And also the rest of the Mendocino Coast with Roland and myself, Sarah Malpin. And Dr. Carla Longchamp. Abraham. Andy. Gabriel. Sonia. Melissa and Carol. All lovely people. And the Roosters and the Ravens. And somehow Mendocino County will include Scotland, Brazil, and Yucatan. And a little bit of the foster care system too. Roland, we're on. Testing, testing. A, B, C, D, there we go. <laughs> A, B, C, D, L, G, B, T. <laughs> okay. So welcome back to Pride Nation 101. Very happy to have everybody back here. <laughs> we are very happy to be here, and we've been happy about the response to our first two programs. The theme today is a portrait of queer on the Mendocino Coast. So you grew up here, and do you feel like you had an easy time of it? I do. Um, I'm comparing myself to other gay friends that I knew and even gay friends that moved here from, say, Los Angeles and moved out of town. And it was pretty different for all of us. I'm thinking about this one kid who had, <laughs> who was called names. He had people talk about him behind his back. He was treated kind of poorly to his face. But at the same time, I was no different from him. We were both transgender people did not do anything to me and if they did i didn't see it and i did not care about it i was pretty surprised i don't know what the determining factor was wait a minute you had to leave your family was it because of being transgender i was treated well by my high school classmates i was not treated well by my sisters and my parents they were telling me this was a phase i could grow out of it was really devastating for a long time. And then on top of that, that really contributed to a lot of mental health issues. And it became so much that I considered grabbing a tent and a sleeping bag and a backpack and running away from home and sleeping in a ditch. Yeah. Let's take a moment to hear from Abraham who grew up here and had somewhat the opposite experience of you, felt supported in his family, but really not in the school environment. My name's Abraham, and I grew up here on this unceded Pomo and Yuki tribal territory that we currently know as Fort Bragg. I'm a non-binary person, but I'm comfortable with either they, them, or he, him pronouns, because really I want to demonstrate that there's a limitless spectrum of ways to live he, him pronouns. Growing up in Fort Bragg, I suffered bullying all throughout my public schooling. That came both in the form of emotional and physical injury. There's definitely still a white cis het supremacist roughneck element in Fort Bragg, but that cultural tone was much more established and normalized, just a lot more accepted when I was young, when the mill was still running and fishing was more robust. Other kids, their parents, and teachers could tell that I was different from early on, and many of them weren't kind about it. I was regularly othered and excluded, and those traumas put a chip on my shoulder that made it difficult for me to really even recognize kindness when it did come around. Middle school was the hardest period of my young life. I know that's true for a lot of young people. As I mentioned earlier, some of my teachers growing up participated in the bullying I went through. 
middle school was where I encountered the worst of that. Some simply failed to do anything when it happened in front of them or was brought to their attention, but others actively bullied me along with my peers. Some of the teachers that behaved most harmfully were so-called PE, physical education teachers. I was always one of the smallest boys and had childhood asthma. I never really felt like I had agency in sports. I was always picked last, that kind of classic stuff. Kids were mean about all of that, and all the PE teachers, honestly, that I had in middle school condoned and often reinforced it. PE was also where male teachers, I think, felt most empowered to reinforce cultural gender norms, messaging that was always really hurtful to me because so little of it applied to who I was. I transferred to the Mendocino Community High School in 10th grade, and that switch really just deeply enriched my life, and it probably saved my life. The damage I took for my differentness, though, was deeper and more insidious than I would come to understand for years. I didn't come out as queer until I was 26, and my gender identity, coming to understand that, is very much an ongoing process. I'm also still striving to understand the ways that the toxic culture here hid from me, you know, my true self, and held me back from cultivating some of the most important aspects of myself, and just made me terrified to express myself authentically. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak on your show. We really know that adolescence can be an especially hard time for everybody, but particularly LGBTQIA youth. Because of the small town nature of our area, we actually decided to talk to somebody who we spoke to last month, Sarah Maupin, who worked for many years in the Seattle Public Schools. I had the opportunity to work in Seattle Public Schools for 20 years as a mental health therapist in these teen health clinics. I also was the manager of five other wellness centers and had an opportunity to work with many LGBT. TQIA youth. LGBTQ students have historically been invisible, underserved, or misunderstood, are at a higher risk for bullying, chronic sadness, anxiety, thoughts of suicide, and poor academic performance. Roland. There's a bunch of different things that we could get into with this, and we're going to go in different directions today on the show. But one thing that's really important is, is that you did need a place. Your family didn't accept you. And you, for your own mental health and for your own survival, needed to f have a new place. And um, Family Resources of Mendocino County agreed. And you moved in with us just before the pandemic, which was pretty good timing. It was. Because what would have happened had you been stuck there when the pandemic started? The other part, though, is, is that the foster care system is incredibly important, but it's also a, a difficult system. Not all the families that foster kids have their best interests. A lot of them really want to impose um, their own mindset on their foster kids, when all I really wanted was somebody I could do a radio show with. Well, you got your wish, I promise. <laughs> uh, I can't believe it. But what... Um, I do want to get into is, is that the foster care system needs more really open-minded parents and definitely needs more parents who can, can accept LGBTQ youth. 
Yes, because you were not foster parents before I came into the picture. I was picked up from the mental hospital because I needed to get away, and that was the only place I could go. It was some spot in Santa Rosa. It was not that great of an experience, but hell, it was better than being with my parents for any longer. My English teacher picked me up, brought me to her house. I was to stay there for two weeks, and CPS decided that it was not a safe idea for me to go back home. And mm-hmm. you guys fought. You became foster parents to keep me here. It's pretty amazing. And now, as of two nights ago, you've been here for two years. Next month, we're going to really get into the foster care system a little more. But I just wanted to say a few things that there is always a need for families willing to foster youth in need and that LGBTQIA youth are often harder to place in accepting homes. And if you have any interest in finding out if you could be a prospective foster family, you should contact Lindsay Koch the social worker supervisor for Mendocino County Department of Social Services, Family and Children's Services at 707-467-5893. That's 707-467-5893. I can tell you right now, it's not easy, but it is often really worth it. And Roland is now a part of our family. But back to the school situation, it is so important to have knowledgeable, involved, and caring staff. Roland, did you get support from the high school counseling office? I did. Actually, they were, first of all, they are very cool people there. There's a a woman at the reception desk, there's a nurse, and then there's two official counselors. They're all very nice, very fun, and very caring people. These connections are so important. Let's go back to Sarah Maupin. I worked with a freshman girl struggling with her sexual identity, skipping classes, was depressed, suicidal, and said she just did not feel welcome or safe in the school. Amongst many of the strategies I used with her, we decided to identify teachers that we knew would be allies in the school. We met with them and decided that she would begin the uh, LGBTQ group that had petered out after many of the participants had graduated in the spring. She took this role on, became much happier, went to all of her classes, felt included in the school. Um, She became a leader in that community and she graduated on time. And we still keep in touch. But for all of these people's best intentions, there's another layer that is hard for people to understand when it comes to transgender young people. And we'll go back to Dr. Carla Longchamp, who we spoke to last month, the medical director for Santa Rosa Community Health. Throughout my entire career, I've had one or two transgender folks in my practice, and I really did not did not understand the depth. I, I have known some individuals who literally could not touch their bodies in places that didn't feel like it was right for them and couldn't look at themselves in a mirror like for decades. And they wanted to be able to actually look at themselves and see themselves. So I was very inspired by all the clinicians and advocates who were working to make things better for people who are gender different in one way or another. Yeah, I think that's really what it's all about is keeping everybody happy and comfortable and safe is what it really comes down to. But sometimes it can be really hard 
to keep yourself afloat. If you are struggling to do so by yourself, do not be afraid to reach out to these resources. We have the Mendocino County Crisis Line at 855-838-0404 and Fort Bragg's Blue Door at MCC. Text 707-513-7575. And if you just really feel like you need to talk to a friend, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody who you love. They would rather see you safe than say goodbye. We're going to go now to Gabriel Sherry, one of the organizers for the Mendocino Coast Queer Community Walks. He is a transplant here who lives with his husband who grew up on the coast. Hey, so I came out when I was 15 or 16. I was largely accepted by my friends and family. Both my parents struggled because they're Christian. They are Christian. And my mom continues to struggle but really accept me for who I am. My dad and I don't talk anymore, which has been really difficult, but he clings more uh, tightly to the dogmatic side of Christianity. I feel really lucky that I came out when I did and that I had siblings who embraced me. My older brother, Michael, who's my best friend, you know, me coming out, me being gay was really a turning point for him and it made him question his religion. And I, you know, same thing for me. So we were both able to escape that trap and I feel really fortunate. So the next queer community meetup will be happening on February 13th at 10 a.m. We're going to be meeting at the north end of Big River parking lot where the trail begins. Hope to see you there. This is Pride Nation 101 on KZYXNZ with Roland Corey Medina and Chad Swimmer. We are painting a portrait of queer on the Mendocino Coast. But to really understand this place, it's important to position our understanding in the context of the larger world, to examine the place we call home through the eyes of people who have come from far away and now form an important part of our community. Andy, thanks for being with us. You're yeah, welcome, Chad. Can you introduce yourself? Uh, my name's Andy. I was born and raised in the uh, southern Scotland, northeast of England. Ran away from home at 17, left England at 21, and bummed my, bummed my way all over the world. How did you end up in Mendocino County? Christ knows, because this is where I'm meant to be. You know, first time I, uh, I flew into LAX at 21, and my girlfriend had a uncle who lived in Boonville. So I was actually in Boonville at 21, pruning pot. I went to Atlanta for a couple of years and rode across the continent on a bicycle from Georgia, got on a motorbike, rode back across the continent, got on a Subaru. I was in Sacramento, then in Elk. I needed a headlight for my car, and Fort Bragg had an O'Reilly's Auto Parts, so I sat in O'Reilly's Auto Parts and prayed. My higher power said, go to a meeting, get into AA. So I went to a meeting the next day at the hospitality house, and I've been here every day since, one day at a time. I have no idea how much longer I'm going to be here, but I don't feel like traveling anywhere at the minute with this pandemic going on, and this is a slice of heaven. I mean, it really has to be. Look at the weather, middle of winter. It's beautiful. How long have you been in Fort Bragg for? 2019, like a week before Thanksgiving. So you have used a word that I have not heard in many years, and you call yourself a transvestite. What do you? What does that mean? Um, to me, the LGBTQ, there's to me there's three T's: transgender, transsexual, transvestite. Transgender is somebody who's gone through the operations to change their gender from one to the other. Transsexual is somebody who wants to go through that process. And for me, a transvestite, I just want to change my clothing. 
comes out of the Latin to change your vegetables, your clothes. Um, I'm heterosexual male. I like, I prefer women to men. I got no problem with other people's choices. But for me, it's more about um, wearing the fabric, the clothes of the women. I look at you and you dress fabulously. You paint your nails, you're wearing a skirt right now. You're wearing Crocs, but um, <laughs> how long have you been out about cross-dressing? Ultimately, most of my life. I mean, in my late teens, I was a uh, gothic punk in London, which was black nail varnish, black eye makeup, um, fishnets, skirts, uh, hanging out at the Batcave. Then when I lived in Georgia at Athens, I was quite out outside of work, going to nightclubs and bars and whatnot. But it wasn't until I really came to, um, you know, Northern California, Fort Bragg, you know, a couple of hours from San Francisco, one of the gayest, uh, outest cities in the world, that it was much more acceptable. So now I'm out all the time. You know, I started the red nail varnish uh, two days before I hired on at the food bank. The office manageress actually painted my nails as I was signing my, um, my job application, which I loved. I think it's great. Um, I wear a skirt full time at work. I can't do mini skirts because I work in a warehouse. It's just not appropriate. You know, I love wearing a mini skirt and high heels, you know. You were telling me the other day about the power of cross-dressing and kind of the history of cross-dressing. Can you talk about that a little more? But I learned a couple of years ago from this book, The Myths and Secrets of Women, about the history of transvestism when, um, when the spirits and the gods and goddesses were um, primarily a female domain. The men who wanted to get into spirituality had to dress up as females to be accepted into the, the, the spiritual practices and be accepted by the gods and the goddesses. So they would put on female clothing. Apparently even the thunder god Thor did not get his hammer until he wore some of Freya's dresses. And you've felt pretty accepted here? Oh yes, I've always felt, um, no matter where I've been on this planet, I've always felt accepted. You know, somebody said I'm a monk of the world. No matter where I go, there is, there is, you know, brothers and sisters, cousins from another mother. It's in what I bring to wherever I am that, um, you know, some kind of love or spiritual chi energy that I have. You know, I rode my bicycle across the continent a couple of years ago. No matter where I went, I'd be sitting in a McDonald's and somebody would come up to me and say, Hey, <laughs> I'm so-and-so. My husband's the chief of police. Can we buy you a hotel room? <laughs> uh, um, you know, I'm sleeping on the side of the road and somebody calls me in. Not because I look like a vagrant. They call me in to make sure I'm okay. The fire department show up and they say, are you okay? I tell them my story and they go, really? Can we take your picture? Are you on Facebook? Can we be friends? <laughs> that shit great. happens to me all the time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was funny. I was talking to somebody recently and he goes, oh, you know Andy, right? Uh, he, he's, he's that queer guy who, he's a really nice guy, but he's queer. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I do know Andy, but I don't know what he thinks of as queer. <laughs> You know, in that LGBTQ acronym, I personally don't know what the queer means. I don't know what that term means to those individuals. I don't personally identify as queer. 
but I don't really know what the term means to say whether I am or not. <laughs> well, but I don't really know what it means. I gotta tell you that when I was a kid, you would fit right into that queer category because uh, queer meant from the straight world weird things they did not understand. And it didn't actually have that much to do with sexuality. with a person's sexuality. Uh, it was just like, if you're dressing, you're a guy and you're dressing outwardly like a woman, that's pretty queer. That might be true then. I guess I'm queer. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing with us. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. That was great meeting you. Thank you. I want to give a plug to this very time slot all through the month. This coming Friday night at 7 and every second and fourth Friday, tune in to Pride Radio Mendocino with Corporal Sen and Terry, an hour of music and news from Mendocino County's LGBTQIA community. Pride Radio Mendocino. Put on your dancing shoes and invite your friends over. On the third Fridays, get ready for Mendocino high schoolers playing around with radio equipment. A dangerous combination. The occasional Fifth Friday, we have Wild Women, an intersectional feminist broadcast focused on contemporary and historical issues that specifically impact the lives of women, with Alicia Bales and Lux Karpov. Their next show will be April 29th. And that brings us back to First Fridays at 7 p.m. Pride Nation 101 Queer Voices, Music, Opinions, and Lives from Mendocino County and Beyond. Fridays at 7 p.m. on KZYX are not to be missed. In just a moment, we'll go to an extended conversation Roland and I had on our deck with two women from Brazil, Melissa Fornari, an English-Portuguese translator and professor at Mendocino College, and her spouse, Carol Ben-Simone a published author in Portuguese and translated to English. We are accompanied by a Greek chorus of ravens and roosters. All right, Carol and Melissa, thank you for being with us today. Would you be so kind as to introduce yourselves? Sure, so my name is Melissa. I'm from um, the city of Porto Alegre in the south of Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Carol. I'm also from Porto Alegre, southern Brazil. And I'm a writer, a novelist. And uh, I teach ESL at the Mendocino College, and I also work as a translator interpreter. And Carol, I heard that you have a book that might be made into a movie? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, well, it's a possibility. I, I sold the, the movie rights. I hope it will become a, a movie, but I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I wrote a novel that is set in, in the Mendocino Coast. Yeah. Wow. That's why, uh, I mean, we live here now, but that's how everything sort of started. <laughs> what is the name of the novel? In English, it would be the Smoke Gardeners Club, <laughs> but it's published in Portuguese. I have one novel that was published uh, into English. It's called We All Loved Cowboys. Nice. Yeah. That's great. And this is the one that she sold the um, audiovisual rights. Uh-huh. Uh, we all loved cowboys. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we hope it will be made into a movie. So is Smoke Gardeners Club going to come out in America? I don't know. I hope it, it will someday. Yeah. And how long have you been teaching? 
Um, well, I've been teaching second languages, Portuguese and English, for about 15 years now. Oh, wow. So I started working in Brazil. That was my major in college. I studied to be a language teacher um, and to teach Portuguese and English as a second language. And then when we moved here in 2018, I applied to a position at, the, at Mendocino College for a part-time instructor. And, uh, and I've been working there since spring 2019. You said you moved here in 2018. Did you move here together? Yes, we did. Uh, so I was writing this novel. I started in 2016, I guess. And I spent... Uh, before that, I guess. Before that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 15. Yeah, so... And then we got out. officially married, right? Yes. <laughs> so we were... We had been together for three years. No, two years at the time. Did you get married in Brazil? Yes, we did. Uh -huh. yeah. And is it possible to legally be married in Brazil mm -hmm. as a gay couple? Yes. Yeah, yes. I think. So the mm. place where we got married officially was one of the first like offices in Brazil. Notary office, mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, but so that was one of the first ones in Brazil to offer, like to have, where gay couples would be able to get married. How long have you been together? Officially, we have to think about that every time because yes. we have several dates, like the marriage, first time we kissed, I don't know. Yeah, I think officially we can consider December of um, 2015, Yeah. yes, because that was the first time that we were together, uh, but we had been friends before for many years. Uh, since 2010, so we've, we we were, we had been friends for like six years, and then finally, but we always had kind of this ambiguous relationship. <laughs> you know, I, I had many other friends who were girls, but with her it was different somehow, and, uh, and then finally, but we were both in different relationships for that whole time, and then finally one day we... Um, we went on a trip together, and then, you know, things started. How do you identify? Do you feel like there was acceptance of your lifestyle in Brazil? Yes, because I was sort of a, a bubble, a literary bubble, and... Uh, yeah, I had experience homophobia. I remember one episode when I was, like, probably 18, 19, I was in a pool bar with a girlfriend and then i don't know we touched each other and then this guy came he was the owner of the place and he said oh you have to leave uh that was i think the only uh episode i experienced um yeah but it, it has changed a lot since the early 2000s you know in the past 20 years or so a lot uh, I remember having uh, friends who were gay, that was around 2005, six, and we were all in a party together one time. And I really, I always, that was a place that was not a gay place, but it was kind of um, very diverse. Like you had gay couples, heterosexual couples, you know, 
and uh, bisexual people and it was really real I, I noticed at the time that I liked these types of place so where you know everybody could do whatever and uh, so anyways one time we were at this party and uh, at this specific place where we used to go and I left earlier um, and some of my friends stayed until almost morning um, and uh, so they were walking home a group of three guys and they were attacked and uh, and uh, and you know people just they were beaten up just mm -hmm. because they were walking on the street and being gay so and our younger friends now who are gay or bisexual we don't hear I don't know if it's just our circle but we don't hear those types of stories as often nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, there of course is a lot of homophobia yeah. in Brazil still, especially um, because of you know the political voices nowadays and our president. And uh, so that type of discourse, anti-gay discourse, became really strong since Bolsonaro was elected. And it was just like a retrocess of yeah. a lot of... But um, also gay movement became really strong at the same yeah, time. Yeah, as a yeah. reaction to yeah. that, there is a lot of action, you know, um, in that sense. For example, even companies, you know, businesses, they have, like here, like there is a focus on diversity, on hiring people from different backgrounds and different um, experiences and sexual orientations and so on. So, um, and schools are also very involved in like helping and like offering some space so I, I think in that sense, it's similar to here. Mm -hmm. Was Bolsonaro part of your uh, motivation to relocate here? I think we could feel something in the air already when we decided to move. No, so we, moved here, here was... we moved here in September. Uh, I mean, last day of August. Uh, and he was elected in October. Mm -hmm. And I remember like when the results came out, the feeling was like a feeling of, we felt like as if somebody had died, you know, that feeling when you lose someone or, it was just awful. It was because it was like, okay, this voice gone, like, you know, like this, these are the values that people are wanting right now. Like that's impossible because ha there had been so much change since the early 2000s until, you know, and so there was the same thing that happened here with Trump probably. Yeah, very similar. But yeah. I think Bolsonaro's uh, strength was more in terms of values, like to his discourse against minorities, against even against women. And obviously, like, okay, there's, you know, everybody's going crazy, doing whatever they want. Let's go back to the order and to the way things should be according to the conservative point of view. So it was terrible, you know, knowing that so many people would agree with that. That's so much like Trump. They're identical almost. And my own situation yeah. that I really was less politically active in the queer world until Trump was, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, I, when I was younger, I was, but then I was, I'm in a relationship with a woman and uh, long term, and it just didn't feel like it was appropriate. But once that voice, you know, gained prominence and those voices, I felt it was very important for myself. And then getting to know Roland and how important it is for, you know, for us all to be visible role models to people that they can see that we exist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We are here. 
Yeah, it it is very similar because I remember when Bolsonaro won, uh, one of our friends, uh, he was desperate, saying that he didn't want to spend Christmas with his parents because they both voted for Bolsonaro. So yeah, I think that created a lot of tension in like in the families as well, mm -hmm. especially older generations and you know younger generations and so on and. And also with, you know, social media and things like people sharing their ideas so much, I think you get to see that side of people that, you know, it's it's crazy. And then when you see that, you know, reflected on the elections and that. So I think we were lucky to be here during that time. And especially, yeah. of course, our city is, is a place where it's much better. It's not a bad place to be in Porto Alegre, you know, our city in Brazil. There are other places in Brazil that are really, really bad in terms of being gay and being, you know, being out, um, mm -hmm. like just walking on the street and stuff. So our city is a very safe place, I could say. Um, and But moving here to this specific place was also, I think we were very lucky to be, you know, starting a new life in this place here when all of that was going on. So we could put a little bit of distance between all that political craziness and retrocess and our private lives. So that was really good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that idea, oh my God, this is all going on. Like, let's, you know, run away to live in the mountains. So I think that's what we did. <laughs> and would you say you feel accepted here and supported? I think we do, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we've just had, we, we haven't had yet the experience of going to other states that are more conservatives, but here we feel very accepted. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were thinking about that, you know, this question would come up and we were thinking about like weird situations we've had. Can I tell about that? One? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and one on. of them is since the first days when we were here, so it happened a few times here in Fort Bragg, especially like you know, at the grocery store or somewhere, you know, but people, also when we were traveling and when, like, and then later when we, we were traveling, like we were in California, let's say a national park or, you know, we went to Humboldt and that happened too. So the situation is we're just walking around holding hands and different people approach us and they go, hi, excuse me, are you two sisters? And we were no <laughs> or in the beginning people approached us like it's not someone we were talking to it was just someone who came out of nowhere like excuse me are you twins and yeah it's very weird and then we were like no we are not and then carol said no we are married and just one time uh a guy made like kind of a dirty comment because we said we were so surprised at the grocery store we're like no we're not twins And he was like, oh, I would be so lucky. He said something like that. Oh and I kind of ignored, you know, and like, let's go away and let's get out of here, you know. And but after that specific situation, you know, because there were three or four that happened in a row, like really close to one another. It, that started bothering me because I don't think you see a heterosexual couple and you come and you say, excuse me, are you siblings? You know? And so I said, I told her that that's going to be my answer next time. You know, if someone asks me, are you sisters? I'm going to look at the man and, and, you know, whoever is with him and say, because normally it's guys who ask that. 
I'm gonna say, well, how about you? Are you two brothers or are you two siblings? You know, it's such a weird question. So we think people want to ask us something about why are we holding hands? Why are we doing this? You know, but they don't want to be um, not nice. Uh, so they ask me for sisters, but that's not very nice either. Well, I think you have a great plan. <laughs> that response is perfect. I think it's a window into the evolving concepts of gender mm -hmm. and um, non-binariness mm -hmm. that I had two friends, um, a lesbian couple 20 years ago here, and neither of them were, in quotes, butch. Mm -hmm. And it was very hard for people, even other women, to accept. They didn't really understand because there's this idea that, well, we don't fit into the you know, standard mm -hmm. hetero mm -hmm. ideals of the world, but we still were going to be, there's going to be the, the, in the gay world, the top and the bottom. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. you're dealing, you're, you're still dealing with uh, like those built up stereotypes. Yeah. Yes. Even in the place where it's really well accepted and people are, yeah. When I was young, one of my favorite books and movies was um, The Kiss of the Spider Woman mm -hmm. by Manuel Puig from Argentina. For people who don't know the story, it's two people in a prison cell, and one is a very effeminate gay man, and one is a very hardcore revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And the metaphor that I see is, is that they were, it is two parts of one personality and one mind. And it feels so old-fashioned now, and I'm so glad we're, we're breaking mm -hmm. out of that, mm -hmm. <laughs> right. that paradigm. I don't remember. Oh, one time in Brazil, someone asked us if we were sisters, but it was like there were two people together and this woman was selling us. It was a little mar market and we were buying earrings and stuff. And then this woman asked, are you sisters? And then immediately someone who was with her said, hey, no, they're not even related. Don't you see? <laughs> so the other person was saying like, shut up. They obviously are, you know, a couple. So that was the only situation. But here it happened a few times. Yeah. And this past ones that were in a row, it created kind of uh, a discussion between us because mm -hmm. we we wanted to about react how to answer, you know. And so, yeah, this day we were just, you know, walking in the woods, hiking together. And we were discussing, like, how to respond to these people who want, who want to see, ask if we're sisters. So I was really angry because that created this t type of tension between us, you know, and um, and like you can just you don't have to walk around having to explain to people uh, what's your relationship to the person who was with you, you know. That is kind of a question that we've been talking about, that um, are we living in a, a post queer world? It's not that it wouldn't be a big deal. It's not that people wouldn't care about it, but it would be just like your son brings home a boyfriend and that is it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else to it. There's no harassment. There's no name calling. Yeah. There's no secret whispers behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. There's none of that. No physical violence, of mm -hmm. course. But do you think your generation is going towards this direction? I think, I think we have a way to go. Mm. Because with my generation, of course, there's a lot of very radical people, but there's also there's also very young, entitled people. Like, the reason we have all of these names coming up, all of these new terms for sexualities and genders, there are people that are making it up 
which there is very few of them, but just a few of those means that people are not going to take us seriously. And it's really, it's mm -hmm. really sad mm. because I think that the more that we embrace everything that we want to, the more that we come up with terms that better suit us, come up with sexualities that better suit us and to have the confidence to just be ourselves and be happy in our own skin. Mm -hmm. And I believe even the most accepting of people are going to have a hard time accepting it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be maybe two or three more generations until we can really reach that potential no. need or i don't know no this this idea of coming and asking like what what are you doing here what you know what is it a couple or sisters or you know like people feeling the need of you having to explain to them what you are all the time or or what you're doing or you know what that relationship is So, yeah, I think it's, uh, I agree with you, like, I would rather just have, you know, uh, which was my idea, actually, because, like, we had this experience one time, we went to San Francisco, and we were just walking around in Castro, and there was this, um, you know, this group of naked guys, this, um, <laughs> it was just like a group of guys, older than, much older than us, they were probably in their 60s or, or older, even, And they were just naked, wearing like some belts and, you know, or vests or whatever, but everything else was naked. And we were actually looking at the reaction of people walking past them. And some people were just, oh, okay, those naked guys. And, uh, <laughs> and we saw there were some tourists that for them, it was really shocking. Um, uh, there was one woman, I think she kind of, <gasps> you know, like she yelled and she got scared. And then later we went to got co get coffee somewhere and one of the guys was just behind me in line. I was like, oh, hi, you know. So it would be so nice just to have this type of reaction, you know, oh, how's it going? You know, yes. you know, I don't care. I don't want you to explain to me why you're naked or, you know, what you're doing there. You're just naked there. Okay, it's your deal. You're, you know. You're listening to Brazilian singer Casusa. He never openly identified as gay, but he was pretty open about being bisexual and being with men and women. And unfortunately, he died of HIV AIDS on July 8th of 1990 at the age of 32. Casusa, ideologia. You are listening to Pride Nation 101 with Chad Swimmer and Roland Corey Medina. We are speaking with a Brazilian couple who now reside on the Mendocino Coast, Melissa Fornari and Carol Ben-Simon. Let's hear how they arrived here. Carol. I was doing a road trip in California first time. It was 2012, I guess. I saw something about Mendocino in like a travel guide. <laughs> and then I came here And I was, whoa, this is a beautiful place. And then sometime after I learned about marijuana industry and I started reading about it and all back to the land movement. And I was super interested and I wanted to write about it. And yeah, that I started doing this research for a novel. Uh, when I was in Brazil, and then I came here again, 2015, 2016. 
And then finally we came together in 2016. And? Tell them what was your what were your impressions about Mendocino first time you came here? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it was very different because I always thought that I wanted to live in a place like more with like city life, but actually it was here I saw a different uh, experience that I didn't even have an idea about it. So, you know, it was something really like a new experience and it was really interesting and I really enjoyed like the different rhythm of, you know, the way things are here and um, and it was crazy because we were, we got really attached to this place and we had to go back to Brazil and so we had this idea of trying to um, come back here, maybe part of the year, spend, you know, a few months here and go back. We had this in our minds of like trying to spend time here and then uh, and then finally everything worked out and we were able to actually become residents here and so it was good but um, but Carol was looking for a place actually when she came because she wanted to find the best context for her book um, which is a story of a guy who is growing um, pot in Brazil because his mother is sick, she has cancer, and uh, he tries to like use that for her symptoms, like the way she feels. And so he's caught, he's arrested. I mean, not arrested, but he loses his job, everything. And yeah, so because he comes it's here. illegal in Brazil. It's completely, completely illegal, yeah. And so he comes here. And so Carol was looking for this place where he could kind of run away to and, you know, t try to start a new life. And also her book portrays this change from when the marijuana story started in the 60s and now as a business. And so here it was also a really good environment for that because we met so many wonderful people who came here in the 60s. And so we have many friends who were part of that story. And, uh, you know, so we were able to like, um, it was perfect for her, for her book and for us <laughs> it's beautiful <laughs> and you feel like this is home now yeah definitely i feel very connected to my job to the students and we went to brazil to see our families uh for christmas and new years and i see as something it's really important yeah every time we come back now we feel like it's home well, Carol and Melissa, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. And I thought this episode would not be complete without hearing a little bit from my friend Sonia, who works down at a Thanksgiving coffee company. My name is Sonia Sosa, and I'm from Mexico, from the state of Yucatan. And I've been here at least 25 years in Mendocino County. First time I get here, just I never move uh, away, so I like Mendocino. So when you were living in the Yucatan, were you out? Yes. I was out since I uh, have a knowledge in the school of my neighborhood, my childhood, I mean. Yeah, I know I'm, I, I'm gay, so it's the way I am, and I, I'm so proud of myself 
my family are so proud of myself too they love me so much and they show me all the time uh, the love they they have for me was Mayan your first language at home I speak Maya I speak Maya uh, I'm not very fluent yeah my mother language it's Spanish but I know uh, how to speak Maya mm -hmm. and I'm so proud of my uh, roots mm -hmm. yes to be like trilingual now yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons I, I uh, like run away from Yucatan because the, most of the people, traditional people there, it's homophobic. But nowadays, uh, they changing their minds. Mm -hmm. I mean, the new generation, not the old, the old school, you know, but the new generation. I think they have already um, pride, a gay pride at the first time in, in my village, mm -hmm. and they will accept it. Wow. So now I'm so big changes. It's happening in, in my village. What village is it? Uh, Peto, Yucatan. Peto. Peto, Yucatan. How, yes. how big is it? It's big. It's like uh, kind of like Ukiah. Yes. Was it hard for you to uh, cross the border? Yes. It's a long story. Uh, maybe one, one day I will tell about um, the travesty. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I almost died. For me, it's okay because now I have my uh, paperwork, so I've been resident, and uh, in the future, I'm gonna be a, a citizen. Yeah. Yeah. So one step by other. So well, I'm not gonna stop here. And yeah. you've been living and paying taxes and working in Fort Bragg for 25 years, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. So all the law I follow. The only law I break is the cross by illegal uh, the border. Yeah. And you found acceptance here of being gay? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, and I have a lot of friends here, and um, they accept me. Yeah. Yeah. This feels like home to you now. Yes. I can say uh, Mendocino County is my home. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Great. Sonia. Sure. We would like to offer some resources and some contact information for anybody who might need it. Roland, what do you have? We got Blue Door at MCC. They help with a bunch of medical needs. They also have information on being gay and transgender as a young person in Mendocino County. However, if you or anybody you know is considering suicide, please, please consider calling Redwood Community Services with a 24-7 crisis line at 855-838-0404. There's also the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. So the Trevor Project dedicated to protecting trans and gay lives from suicide at 866-488-7386. That one also has a chat option for online. And here's a couple words from Gabriel Sherry. For details and plans with the Mendocino Coast queer community, you can go to meetup.com, look up the Mendocino Coast queer community, or find the app and look us up. And for the queer community walk... So that is Sunday the 13th at 10 a.m. at the north end of the Big River parking lot. We want to thank you for spending the last hour with us on Pride Nation 101. We hope you'll come back next month and tune in on the first Friday at 7 p.m. on KZYX. You can check us out at disquietmedia.blue. And if you've got some feedback or just want to say hi, email us at pridenation101radio at gmail.com. Also, you can stream this from the archives of kzyx.org. Just go to the date and the time of the episode. 
You can also hear this show and many other great public affairs shows by subscribing to the KZYX Public Affairs Podcast, wherever you do get your podcasts. We are going to close with Andy reading a little passage from The Woman's Encyclopedia of Myths and Secrets by Barbara G. Walker. Transvestism. When men began to seek a share of religious and magical knowledge, formerly the property of women, their original objective was to make themselves resemble women so the spirits would find them acceptable. A common method was to put on women's clothes. Transvestism is found in a majority of ancient priesthoods. Tacitus said the priests of Germanic tribes were Mulebrae Arnatu, men dressed as women. Norse priests of sunrise and sunset rituals in honor of the Hadigar heavenly twins were men whose office demanded they wear the dress and hairstyles of women. Even Thor, the thunder god, received his magic hammer and was filled with power only after he put on the garments of the goddess Freya and pretended to be a bride. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that book, Women's Myths and Secrets, if you read that, it'll blow you away as what the um, patriarchs have done throughout, the, throughout history in oppressing, you know, female power, spirituality, in favor of the male patriarchal gods, you know. Mm-hmm. Pretty sad. You are wearing a button that says free hugs. Absolutely. Can I have a hug? Sure, man. All right. <laughs> People ask me if I'm vaccinated. I say, yeah, yeah, hug everybody. <laughs> Wait, Chad, so did you grow up here? Mm, kind of, sort of. I moved up here when I was 19 to Point Arena in 1986, and I was a pretty immature young punk, so you could say that, yes, I grew up here. All right, so you've been around a while. I've been around a while. It's a good chunk of time. I came out kind of on the coast, and it was very traumatic. Oh, no. (laughs) I hope it's improved. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll see, because I came out again on the radio two months ago. Wow. Any negative reactions? Mm, I don't know. We'll listen to Gloria Gaynor for that. And we really would like to thank a number of people for making this show possible and for contributing material. But first, Alicia Bales and KZYX. Then our buddy Abraham. And Andy. Sarah Malpin. Dr. Longchamp. Gabriel, who complimented my tattoos. Thank you so much. And Sonia. And Melissa and Carol. And the Roosters and the Ravens. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willetson Dukaya 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.